Good evening, my fellow Americans. Take the red pill. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. The disastrous rise of misplaced power exists. All we have built, all we have worked for, would be destroyed. There is nothing the political establishment will not do. And this nation will not be fully free until all its citizens are free. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action. These criminals cannot be rewarded. So that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. They're coming after you and I'm just standing in their way. Here I am. You and I have a rendezvous with death. The cost of freedom is always high. Those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Our movement is about replacing a failed and corrupt political establishment well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the Founding Fathers. This is a crusade! This is a holy war against the deep state! We never wanted to be right, but yet things are all adding up to the firestorm. Here's the problem with America, the country is broken Cause they minds stay closed, but they mouths stay open Get attacked and we blame terrorists, go broken We blame the price, blame racists for the racism But only if his skin is white If we don't need guns, cause we can call the police We don't need fire extinguishers, call a fireman please You didn't wanna build a wall and now the border is weak Your favorite actor has a gate that's like 15 feet Racism is gay, if you're offended that's retarded And tolerance is great until you speak and you're a target If a white man paints his face black, he's a racist piece of garbage But you put him in a dress and he's courageous and he's Gorgeous. All these double standards, man, I'm tired of the noise. Freedom's an illusion if they censor your voice. Call a dad a deadbeat for neglecting his boys. But a mom kills a baby and you call it pro-choice. You act like you're so much better than us. Yeah, we know that. Who told you that you're so special? You're a new world order. Your facts ain't facts without censoring us. Yeah, we know that. Good job, you lose. Here's your medal. The flag they try to burn it to the ground don't do that in front of me i'ma let off a round pow scream loud burn the city down now put it on the news make them all feel proud look make a system where 85 percent of black people fill the prison is it because they black or they make bad decisions i ain't good at math but it seems like it's division or is it white privilege i believe politicians need to be locked up try to take our freedoms that's how you get shot up got our back against the wall try to just stop us more guns more ammunition please stock up Election gets rigged, rights get infringed Take this syringe, frighten your kids Show up right where you live Make me wanna grab a rifle and just go You act like you're so much better than us Yeah, we know that Who told you that you're so special? You're a new world order Your facts ain't facts without censoring us Yeah, we know that Good job, you lose, here's your medal and everyone blames white folks for every little bitty thing We don't have no one to blame, we take responsibility They tell you be a man, then call it toxic masculinity Then when you act too feminine, they call it white fragility I don't understand trans man with humility I'm just trying to raise my kid the best of my ability If I disagree, you try to cancel, get rid of me You cancer, you can't be the answer, you killing me And I hate white supremacy just as much as you But I ain't feeling guilty for something I didn't do The system's killing everyone, it sucks, but it's true They kill you, then they broadcast it and call it the news. Or they'll brainwash 
you through social media feeds. And if you disagree, delete you immediately. Make America China pretty easy to see. I will always remember the land of the free. You act like you're so much better than us. Yeah, we know that. Who told you that you're so special? To a new world order. Your facts ain't facts without censoring us. Yeah, we know that. Good job, you lose. Here's your medal. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh. Vince Tagliavia is sick tonight, so he has a night off, and I hope he is feeling better. I got this little wavy shit going on with my hair. I'm sorry about that. It's just the way that it folds. I'm trying to figure out something to do with that. But that song right there, New World Order by Tom McDonald and Adam Calhoun. Um, you know, they say that the the music of a generation dictates its culture and its culture dictates its music. And it's kind of interesting to see this transition, what's happening in music and props out there that Tom McDonald, Mano Calhoun telling the truth out there like it should be told. It's kind of like a, um, a revisiting of the 1960s all over again, where music comes into the social cultural norms and transforms the minds of society. I hope everybody out there is doing well. Welcome to the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. We are live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is where we bring you the unfolding global conspiracy of communism coming to the United States of America, of globalism coming to the United States of America, of everything in between. Sorry, I just heard myself on the screen when I was bringing up the Rumble chat. And um, we try to expose this the best that we can. We try to understand the narrative. So in order to understand the narrative, you have to understand the past. You have to see and, and kind of watch how things unfolded in the past. You have to know what's going on in the present. And then you're able to look and predict what happens in the future. And luckily for Vince and myself and my other co-hosts throughout the years, Jason, we've been fairly accurate on understanding what is happening in the world and how this is all unfolding. And so with that being said, what we're trying to do here is not simply give you the news. We're not here to, to tell you what happened today but instead allow everybody to truly understand the social and cultural transformation that's occurring, the political transformation that's occurring, the economic transformation that's occurring so that you can stand up and you can rise up and you can fight back against it. Because that is truly what needs to happen is the power of the people needs to rise up to a certain height and ability, what we call the precipice to the point where we can take back our rights, our liberties, our freedoms, where we can take back our local politics, our state politics, and then eventually our federal government. And there's a process of how that's done. You know, you can't just walk in there and say, hey, the country's screwed up. Let's go take Washington, D.C. back. No, it starts at the home. It starts in the home with your children. It starts in the home with the mother and the father. It starts with the family unit. It starts with bringing a moral and ethical base back into that family unit. It starts with communications with your neighbors. It starts with community being an actual community, looking out and helping each other not hating each other or disagreeing on various different beliefs. It's about going out there and serving man. And when we establish that within our communities, now we can take back that local government. Now we are that local government, that those principles, those values, they're now implemented within that community infrastructure, within that local government. Now, if that happens over and over throughout the United States of America, like what we had in the 1940s, the 1950s, what we had in the 1920s. 
then you take back that state. That state is that state government is built on the foundation of only the counties, the cities, and the villages that comply, that give it its power and its authority from the people within that. And so then we take back the states. And it's only through a collaboration, a coalescing of those states that we form the union, which we know is of the United States. And from that union, if those same moral and ethical base, if those same principles and values within those states are now reflected in the federal government, which we've had from time to time in this country, but we definitely do not have right now, not even close to having anything like that right now. And I've been incredibly verbal about that. Right now, we actually have the RNC debate going on and it's people that are um, trending 50 points below Donald Trump. So (laughs) whatever, (laughs) not really worried too much about that. But, you know, Donald Trump is an interesting character because in 2016, um, from the moment that he announced his candidacy, I supported him. And I was just like, I, I, I wanted that man to be president. And watching that election night was one of the first times in my life watching the presidential election, where I was actually happy and satisfied with the outcome, that I felt like we had truly, actually won. And, you know, in a sense, we did. Because many people don't understand that prior to Donald Trump winning the 2016 election and all the shit that happened in between, a lot of the theories out there of what was occurring, uh, Alex Jones had Endgame. There was a lot of different variations and perspectives of how that was all going to play out and what was really coming for us. And the eight years of Barack Obama, and we knew that it was going to be eight years of Hillary Clinton. We called that the 16-year plan. If you go back to the conspiracy world pre-2016, this is what we talked about. We talked about Pizzagate. We talked about stolen military secrets. We talked about election fraud. We talked about all these topics. The problem was is that we We didn't control the information. We didn't control the media. We didn't control social media. The algorithms were not in our favor. The algorithms worked against us. And see, what happened here is that we knew that if Hillary Clinton got elected, that we would be having an extension of the Barack Obama administration. It's called the 16-year plan. And this would eventually lead us into World War III, a global pandemic, global economic collapse, and the ushering in of globalism the new world order. And this is a place back then when we looked at it, when we looked at it back then, uh, a decade ago, to where there would be a formulation of a world government, probably centralized within the United Nations, and that this formulation of the world government centralized through the United Nations would basically dictate power and authority to all the various other nations of the world and overrule them on various different things, the Supreme Court, uh, various different laws, uh, Second Amendment, First Amendment, these types of things, as well as collect taxes. And at that time, there was a lot of talk about what was known as Agenda 21. Agenda 21 was a predecessor to Agenda 2030 and Agenda 2050. Agenda 21, we actually knew about all the way back in the 1990s, the late 1990s. And actually, 1992 with the Kyoto Treaty is when a lot of the talk of Agenda 21 came about. And this is where many of those uh, sustainable development goals were set at that Kyoto Treaty in Japan in the 1990s. And what else also came out of that was the first implementation, which was something known as Codex Alimentarius. And this was to go in there and basically control the food supply 
of humanity through various different policies and regulations. Um, and a lot of people exposed this during that time. I was active duty military uh, into the 2000s, so I didn't really have a chance to go out there and express my voice, but I was always in the backdrop. I was always doing research. I was always looking into these things, trying to find out what the hell was actually happening and going on. And for a part of a time, I was in the military. I was a part of certain things that were happening in our country that I disagreed with. I didn't agree with what we were doing in the South Pacific of why we did what we did in the South Pacific. And you could see that it was simply a bureaucratic mess that basically allowed for the funding of black operations with the DEA and the CIA and the NSA and so forth of what we were actually doing out there. We, we went out there and did human trafficking interdiction, which was very rare to find that, or drug smuggling interdiction, which when you did find drugs, cocaine, marijuana, heroin, whatever it might have been, that is basically taken in by the United States, the DEA, the CIA, whomever it might be, and then given back to those governments in exchange for information. And only about 2% of those actual narcotics are actually destroyed. 5% of it is actually put back out in the streets of America. And this is something that I completely disagreed with. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Why are we even doing this? 98% of all the drugs that we do, that we that we uh, stop from getting on the streets are just going to go right back to the country and come right back out here to sh the sea. And so you began to see the mess of what was actually happening in the country. I went to Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C., I saw firsthand how there was a marriage between the bureaucracy and the Department of Defense, how high-ranking members in our Department of Defense were nothing but sellouts to the military-industrial complex, to the defense contractors, how every moment that they sat in front of Congress or Senate uh, bidding their peace was simply nothing more than their bid for executive vice president or a board seat for a four- or three-star admiral after they got out of military service and were going to go work at Raytheon. Right. And so you see this firsthand thing of how this was all formulated. And we knew that they were doing these various different agendas. And so by the time 2016 rolled around, it became very serious that Hillary Clinton had a good chance of winning. And with that, all those predictions from the 20 years prior could come to fruition. But then in walked Donald Trump. And it was amazing. I mean, it was probably one of the most amazing feelings in the world. And I remember my two children. Uh, me and my two children stayed up all night and watched the election and we watched Donald Trump and it was amazing. And, uh, you know, it was a memory that my, my kids were like, Donald Trump, the Trump, Trump. And they were little then, but still it, it was just such an amazing feeling. And I know that if we do have an election in 24, if we do have an election in 2024, um, that he is going to be victorious. Because there's no, nothing can stop what's coming at that level. And we're seeing this on many points right now. And that's because people have woken up. That's because people have began to take action. People are fighting back. That, that, that voter fraud cases are getting won all over the country. They're getting, they're getting destroyed as well, but they're also getting won. That more and more information is coming out. We understand how their system runs. We understand what they're doing. And with that being said, we know how to defeat their system of corruption. And this is why many of us out here in, in the podcast or radio world or whatever it might be, say that there's probably not going to be a 2024 election. 
Um, and I kind of, I'm about 50-50 on that right now. I don't know. I mean, I, I I hope that we have the ability to have our free and fair elections and that it does go all paper ballots. I think that that's a long shot. I believe that the Democrats are going to try to cheat. I believe that the, the deep state is going to try to steal it. And I think that that happens because they can't give up power because Donald Trump is too much of a threat to them. That Donald Trump has vowed to destroy and eliminate the deep state. Now that's a big statement because in 2016, when he came in as president of the United States, he had many neocon holders, holdovers. He had rhinos in the mix. He had people that we consider deep staters within his cabinet. And that showed immediately. And a lot of that, as I've explained, is the multi-headed, the different factions of the multi-headed Hydra, the war of the roses fighting each other for power. That's the liberal the far-left liberal communist socialist deep state that is controlled by them trying to be overtaken by the conservative neocon deep state. It's not, it's not like, let's get rid of the deep state. For these people, it's who controls the deep state. If you control the deep state, you control the decisions, the policies, the regulations, but most of all, you control the money, and the money for them derives power. And that's what it was all about for a lot of people in the first Trump administration. Not Donald Trump. We know that's not who Donald Trump was. Donald Trump lost money. He's the only president since what? Since the 1850s to come out of the presidency and lose money. Okay. And not only that is look at the shit that that man has went through over almost the last four years. So definitely that was not Donald Trump's intention. But I think he learned a lot of lessons from 2016 to 2020. I think he's seen what has happened in the world and he's seen the attacks that it came upon him and he understands the situation a lot better. And that's how you play that, that 5d chess. That's how you go in there. And I believe that this man has some aces up his sleeve. I think he has a Trump card that is ready to play. And I think he's been holding it. And he's, he's teased it quite a few times. We've seen cash Patel on true social tease it along with Trump quite a few times. And Trump says, you know, he was testifying. He said, right here in my pocket, I could put all of this to rest right now. I got all the proof and evidence right here. And we know he does. And so is that going to be a play in the 2024 election if and when the election does happen? I believe it will be. I believe not only will it be before that, I believe that that we're probably going to see that very early on in 2024. And so we have what's called a time frame relevance. And the time frame relevance is when information is dropped or put out to the world, there's always a battle of information against it, right? So hypothetically speaking, and this is one of the theories that we've we came out with since 2020, in November 2020, that Donald Trump, it, this is what we said, Donald Trump's going to come out with a social media platform, and through that platform, once it hits a certain level, once it hits a certain point, that uh, the, the amount of people that are integrated into that network cannot be stopped in the sense of information uh, dissemination that all this stuff would begin to leak out, that this information would start coming to the public. Well, then True Social came about and all this stuff is coming out to the public. Look at the information that's coming up about Joe Biden, about Hunter Biden, about Jeffrey Epstein. Look at the stuff that's coming out about Google and Microsoft and Bill Gates. Look at all the information that's being integrated, the various levels of whistleblowing that we have, whether we call it that or not. I mean, the stuff with the uh, um, open AI and chat GPT just la uh, last week and the week before with Q star. 
That was basically people who dropped the ball, the dropped the dime on that information and released that to the public. That wasn't meant to be public information, that they're almost at AGI, that, that the people coming into the board of directors are deep state globalists who work with the World Economic Forum. Okay, that wasn't that much public information like that. So we have to look at that information is dropping, information is coming. And the reason that is, is because there is a network. There is a network of distribution and dissemination out there that something happened. Something happened. And I always go back to 2010 for this time. Around 2010, there's a very interesting thing that began to hurt my fucking hair. I can't stand it. I should just put my head on. There's a very interesting thing that happened in. There we go. I feel much better now. There's a very interesting thing that happens in the technological landscape of our country. Specifically, what this is, is that the cloud, the digital data cloud, begins to get implemented throughout the country and the world. And data rates for transcoding information, primarily video, reduced drastically. Then they were still expensive during that time, but they reduced drastically. And this happened a lot because of smartphone technology that needed the utilization of that for the various different applications. From 2010 to 2015, there began this transition on how people consume information. If you remember, we had MySpace, we had Facebook, we had Instagram and Twitter and all these things prior to 2010, 2015. But they didn't become popular and actually usable in the sense where people wanted to utilize them until around that time. And Donald Trump is one of the leading figures on Twitter that brought a lot of popularity to that network. But what it was is, is that people were stopping the way that they consumed information, that cell phone technology, smartphone technology was more in the hands of people on an average basis and that their content and information flowing to that cell phone was more readily available and a lot cheaper. And so therefore, more content could be pushed into those cell phones and distributed to the masses instead of on TV or through cable TV packages. So we have less people consuming 60 minutes or 30 minute news broadcasts or Walter Cronkite or whatever it might be. And instead are getting one to three minute video clips on, on YouTube or 30 second video clips on Vine and now TikTok or, or 120 character um, you know, post on, on Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever it might be. Is people started consuming that as news. Now, I call this the, the blockbuster conundrum, right? Is that back in the day when streaming video platforms came out, blockbuster bit the bullet and did fail to to adopt fast enough. And what happened is you had Redbox and then you had Netflix. So you had Redbox where you could get these DVDs directly um, outside of the convenience store instead of going to Blockbuster or um, you know family video or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden Redbox went online and then Netflix came out. And Netflix dominated for a long time. Blockbuster finally got with the show and they came out with like a, it was like they're trying to charge $19 a month to rent one video on their platform. They eventually died and went out of business. Now, why did it charge $19 a month to, to stream a video? Because unlike Netflix, Blockbuster didn't have the infrastructure built out to transcode the videos in mass to actually go out there Hold on one second. 
um, in mass to actually go out there and distribute it cheaply. But Netflix had built the infrastructure to actually do that. And so that's why Blockbuster lost that. Well, the same thing happened with the mainstream media. And people like Donald Trump and General Michael Flynn, they knew this during this time. And we had an attack on conservative media during that time. We had Michael Hastings dying in a fiery car crash that we know was most likely the technology that he was trying to expose that the CIA had, which was the ability to hack vehicles because of the computer systems that were implemented in them and make it look like an accident when it was actually an assassination. We know that we have Andrew Breitbart, who was most likely killed on his morning jog by a heart attack gun. And why were these two people killed? Because the information flowing out to the masses during that time was so detrimental to the deep state that there was information being disseminated to people through social media that they could not control. And this was the first light bulb, the first indication. Now, what was that information? Well, you remember George George Bush's emails got hacked. It was a whole bunch of paint therapy and him feeling bad about the Iraqi war veterans and all this stuff. Um, and then Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and then Hillary Clinton's emails again and John Podesta's emails and all of this stuff. This eventually led to the Pizzagate. And what was that all about? Well, that's a long story in itself. That's a show for another night. I actually talked to Natalie Denise and we should get her on and uh, get Natalie to come on here and we'll do a Pizzagate episode. But if we look at the information that was being exposed at that time, Andrew Breitbart was one of the first within the conservative media to actually begin exposing Pizzagate. And what happens to him? Well, he gets a heart attack and dies at young, ripe age of 40. Well, then you have Michael Hastings. Michael Hastings is the man that took down General Stanley McChrystal. If you don't remember him, General Stanley McChrystal was in charge of all forces in Afghanistan under the Barack Obama. He's the one that utilized Blackwater, a defense contractor, to go around the rules of engagement that Barack Obama had set up. And he got eventually fired because of his criticism of Barack Obama because of the reporting of Michael Hastings, which I don't think Michael Hastings did intentionally. He was just reporting on what he saw and what he knew. But what's interesting is that Michael Hastings then starts on this article for Rolling Stones pertaining to CIA certain projects used for assassination, utilizing technology to hack that technology, make it look like accidents, primarily vehicles and cars, and that he was trying to take down John Brennan the same way he had he took down General McChrystal. Well, Michael Hastings' car speeds off at 150 miles per hour into a tree and blows up and he dies. And a lot of people said that he Definitely did not do that. He hadn't drank in years. He had alcohol on his breath, all this stuff. Well, what was, how would Michael Hastings have gotten the information to research and actually go out there and tell this story? Well, the only connection that he had in that point in time to the DOD was the staff of General Stanley McChrystal, who at the time was his source of information. And so the question is, is when you look back at that, can you go forward to the Donald Trump administration and find a connection between that information? Because obviously that's where the generation of Q comes from, right? And we know how Q began exposing Pizzagate, how Q began exposing the deep state and Hillary Clinton and the crimes and Epstein and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? There is a connection. There's a very, very deep connection. And that connection is the chief of staff of General Stanley McChrystal at the time when Michael Hastings was interviewing. And that was uh, Colonel, sorry, Colonel 
Charlie Flynn, General Mike Flynn's brother. His brother at the time was the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. He's a colonel of the chief of staff to McChrystal. McChrystal gets fired because of Michael Hastings. And then Michael Hastings gets his hit story on what the CIA is doing to hijack cars. There's no coincidences. Obviously, we, we can see there's some translation from that. Soon after, we have Flynn come out, make his digital soldiers, keyboard warrior statements. We have Q that comes out a few years later after Trump gets in the office. But we know what happened is that we saw the transition of how people consume information and the opportunity to begin taking over the idea of information. And we knew that this was the case because just like Blockbuster, mainstream media was not adapting to the new dissemination and distribution channels of social media. And so this brought about an amazing opportunity that was kind of fortified with the whole Pizzagate um, information and distribution on social media. And so in 2016, obviously, this is what helps Donald Trump get elected. Um, you got Cambridge Analytica. If you remember that whole situation, how Donald Trump went out there and utilized marketing campaigns to target specific people with certain information using analytics to basically gain and bring in votes. How Russia did the same thing. Now, was there collusion between Russia and Trump? No, I don't think there was any collusion. Was there coordination? I don't think there was any coordination between Russia and Trump. Did Russia, in my opinion, help Donald Trump? Absolutely. Because Russia knew, if you remember, 2016, if you remember, Hillary Clinton was, was seeking for Barack Obama. And she said that if I become president, we are going to put up a missile defense shield on the border of Russia and NATO nations and non-NATO nations. And one of those non-NATO nations was Ukraine because the United States had just cooed them in 2014. And Russia looked at that as a threat, as an act of war and said, we will go to war with you over this. And Hillary Clinton's like, bring it. And that's when Russia left all the nuclear proliferation treaties and began nuclear research again. And Hillary Clinton knew that they would go to war. And this was the 16-year plan if you go back into it. And so we knew that this would eventually lead into war. And I don't think Russia was really ready at that time. Well, what's interesting and happens is that Donald Trump comes in and then they start blaming everything on Donald Trump. But what we do know through Donald Trump's perfect phone call with Zelensky, right? In 2000, what was it? 2020, 2019, the second impeachment trial. Trump asked Zelensky, do you have the server? You know, CrowdStrike. My attorney general would love to look at that and have his team review it. Now, what was he referring to? CrowdStrike was a cybersecurity um, IT company utilized primarily by the Democrat National Committee, the DNC. Okay. Um, they are well integrated into a, a lot of different stuff, military defense as well, but primarily they worked for the DNC. Well, CrowdStrike had a server at a company called Burisma in Ukraine in 2016. Now, why is that interesting? Well, John Kerry's, uh, John Kerry's stepson, uh, Hunter Biden, Devin Archer were on the board of directors of Burisma. And that's what Joe Biden's famous uh, quid pro quo video was all about, was firing the uh, prosecutor who was trying to investigate Burisma. Burisma obviously being the center of that communication between Zelensky and Trump. And so there was a server put in there about CrowdStrike, a DNC controlled cyber asset 
in Burisma, in Ukraine, with close proximity geographically to Russia, which means that now you have geographic IP proximity. Every computer has an internet protocol address, an IP address. And the closer that you are to geographical areas, the easier it is to spoof them on a geographical level, as well as trick satellites and intelligence agencies and all this. So it is believed by many of us, and for the research that we've all done, is that this server specifically was running a software known as Hammer and Scorecard that was operating on election night 2016 to steal the election for Hillary Clinton to make sure that she would win. This is why Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were neck to neck most of the night. What happened is, is Russia went in there, they shut down that connection, they shut down that server, they just turned it off. They didn't allow for Hillary Clinton to cheat, and Donald Trump won the election fairly. And this is why they went after Donald Trump with the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. This is why they set the president because they believed that he was going to do something like that. This is why they began the investigation months before because they needed the ability to go after him. Well, the rumor is, is that Barack Obama was visited by a group of a few different generals who came into his office and said, you're going to allow for a, a successful transition of power or there is going to be a military coup and we will come in here and we will take you out and Donald Trump will still be president. And Barack Obama allowed it to happen, but set up the certain things and investigate it in the back end. Either way, we know what happened. Donald Trump gets in the office and all this stuff begins to unfold. Now, they allowed the 2016 election to happen because we took them by surprise. They tried to cancel the 2020 election, didn't they, with the pandemic. They knew that Donald Trump wasn't going to allow that to happen. And so what they did is they stole it through mail-in voting. They stole it through paper mail-in ballots and the printing of mail-in ballots. Um, they Did they use hammer and scorecard? Most likely. Absolutely. Cover all angles. But I believe a lot of that was probably shut down by the Trump administration, by CISA. And this is why they came out with the certain claims they did. Maybe it wasn't. I've seen evidence to the contrary. Who knows? But here's the thing is they know damn well, as well as us, that Donald Trump won in 2020, which means that Donald Trump will overwhelmingly win in 2024. Here's the problem. About eight months ago, a gentleman by the name of Ray Dalio, Ray Dalio, if you don't know, is the chairman of Bridgewater Capital, which is a venture capital firm and hedge, hedge, firm, or hedge fund. The guy's worth like 15 to 17 billion dollars. He sits on a lot of philanthropic boards, a lot of UN, World Bank type of seats, as well as directly affiliated with the Bilderberg groups and the World Economic Forum. He is through and through a globalist. In this interview, he discusses his new world, his new book that's literally called New World Order. And he's asked the question: what are your thoughts? on what's going to happen in the United States during the 2024 election. And he, without hesitation, says, this is going to be chaos. He goes, we have a severe problem in the United States with social and cultural destabilization. He goes, on one hand, we go into the election, and if the Democrats win, the right is not going to believe it. They're going to believe that they cheated. And so therefore, that will ultimately lead to civil war. He goes, on the other hand, the Republicans go in and they win the 2024 election. The Democrats are not going to believe it. And that will ultimately lead to civil war. And he goes, I don't see any scenario 
where after the 2024 election, we don't have a civil war. So take that in the context of the thinking of a globalist looking at the 2024 election. If you know that that's the case, do you even go forth to the 2024 election and allow it to happen? If you know the outcome, do you allow it to happen? We have the possibility that you're going to lose power. Not only are you going to lose power at the presidency, but you're going to lose the House. You're going to lose the Senate. Because that's where we're at. It is that bad for the Democrats right now. They're not looking good. This is why we have this artificial stimulation of the economy and the massive manipulation of all the numbers coming from the Federal Reserve. They are literally manipulating this economy into a growth state while they're all dumping the ass out of all their stocks. And so you got to ask yourself, what are the scenarios that present themselves for 2024 election? Well, we're starting to see the foundation of whatever that is in 2024 be built right now. And so what is that? Well, we have the return of the pandemics, And I put the S on the end because that's very important. This is something that we talked about months ago when we started talking about Bill Gates and Oxitec and all the mosquitoes is that instead of one pandemic that spreads throughout the whole world because of of a of, of a novel coronavirus that was lab created in Wuhan China and and in in China Ukraine and funded by the DOD a bioweapon instead of that which didn't really probably go as they planned you're going to have outbreaks of geologically uh, geographically centered viruses that do damage within those areas of immunocompromised people due to the vaccine, the shot that went into their arm. And what are we seeing right now? Mystery syndrome in China. We have um, swine flu in Europe. We have white lung syndrome throughout the United States. People have got these mystery coughs all around us. We have some some, uh, new virus that just mutated in Peru that is affecting hundreds of thousands of people and hundreds more have died. So now go back to October 22nd, 2022, where they talk about catastrophic uh, contagion. Contagion. This is Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This is the World Health Organization. This is... This is the globalists at their core. And they talk about this new pandemic that actually happens that kills more children than anything else. And how the WHO, as this intermediary comes in and organizes all these nations and dictates what they have to do next to try to stop the spread of this disease. Soon after catastrophic contagion, the United Nations, the World Health Organization through the United Nations, launched a treaty agreement between many member nations to where they sought power and authority over those sovereign nations during a time of a pandemic. What they wished for was to go into that country during that pandemic, during that pandemic, and basically operate as the CDC and be able to run and control that from a globalized command center so that it cannot spread out to other countries. Well, soon enough, people like me and you guys all went to social media and said, all treaties need to be signed or need to be approved by Congress as per the United States Constitution. And so a few weeks later, it came out and it's no longer a treaty, it's an agreement. And that agreement is going to be voted on for U.S. adoption by the World Health Organization and U.S. representatives from Joe Biden's administration in March of 2024. 
And damn right, you know, they're, they're going to go in there and going to accept it because Joe Biden has already verbally said that, yeah, we're going to join this damn thing because it's agreement, not a treaty. And so no longer needs senatorial oversight. So there's that that's coming, right? So they can utilize that scenario to produce global chaos to the point where there's no 2024 election. Well, then on the other hand, we have the open borders that we have thousands upon thousands of people a day, millions of people a year. We're seeing the videos of the 18 to 35 year old military age men with military haircuts from, from Northern Africa, from the Middle East, from China that have been probably trained in Chinese militant camps in Northern Africa that are going into Venezuela. They're dropping their passports. They're, they're getting trafficked from Venezuela all the way up to the Mexican border with help and assistance through philanthropies, NGOs, nonprofits in the United Nation. And they're bringing them right across our border, collaborating directly with Customs and Border Patrol to bring them over the border. And then the, the conservative governors are putting these son of bitches on buses, planes, and trains and sending them to the heart of our liberal cities. We have various DHS and Customs and Border Patrol whistleblowers who have came out and said, hey, we busted Hezbollah's Unit 910 coming over the border. Not just a few, hundreds of them. And there's thousands more already in the cities. We know that Barack Obama from 2008 into 2014 through Eric Holder was running Fast and Furious where they were running U.S. arms, military armaments down to the cartels in Mexico. We know that they were doing this through Libya, all the way up into Syria, and funding various terrorist organizations to overthrow the Assad regime in Syria. Who were those people? You got to remember this story, okay? Does anybody remember this back in the time when it all happened? We, the United States Central Intelligence Agency clandestine operations, were running money and guns through Libya into Syria and funding various organizations, radical Islamic organizations, so that they could overthrow the Assad organization as well as infiltrate Iran, okay? In the midst of all this, Gaddafi, the leader of Libya, comes out and says, dude, we're an oil-rich nation. We're going to move to the gold standard. F the United States. We want nothing to do with you. Well, he's killed brutally. And then what? Six months later? You have Ambassador Chris Stevens, who makes an emergency phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning to Hillary Clinton. Why did he call Hillary Clinton specifically? There's various different military and DOD attaches that he could have called to get assistance. But he called Hillary Clinton. Well, why is that? Because he had had quite a few other phone calls with Hillary Clinton earlier that week. And what do you think that those had to do with? From what we got of it is that Ambassador Stevens had uncovered that there was guns, ammunition, and money being ran through Libya into Syria, funding various terrorist organizations of radical, fundamental Islamic groups. That these guns, money, all of this stuff was being funded by the CIA. And he exposed that to Hillary Clinton. He said, hey, this is happening. And then on the night, Oh my God, there's a big protest and a riot. He calls Hillary Clinton. She does nothing. And he dies. It's all brushed over, guys. It's all covered up. Okay? We funded these organizations, just like Israel 
funded Hamas, okay, just like many of these terrorist organizations in the Middle East were funded by the radical regime in Iran. Well, who funded them? How about the billions of dollars, $100 billion on a pallet from Barack Obama to Iran? How about the billions of dollars given to them by the Joe Biden administration? How about all the uranium given to them by Hillary Clinton and the Barack Obama administration through the Uranium One scandal with proxy of Russia? That's us funding that. Not us. It's the U.S. taxpayer funding it through a corrupt and criminal deep state. A, a, a bureaucracy that only sought to enrich themselves, that only sought to make money for themselves and gain power for themselves and sell out the United States of America to what? Globalist organizations, to globalist franchise, if you want to look like that. Okay, foreign interests and produce the chaos along the way. Well, tonight's episode, I'm 44 minutes in, is called Globalism is Here. And why is globalism here? Globalism is here because what we have right now is the BRICS nations versus the Western nations. Okay? I'm not necessarily in that order, but BRICS, right? The BRICS nations have risen up through the Silk Road Initiative that 2019, the World Economic Forum, published a great article pertaining to China and Russia and the collaboration with India and the BRICS nations rising up and taking over global power and trade. Okay? And many of us knew that this was a threat. Even Donald Trump knew that this was a threat. And this is why he visited all these various different countries and made different treaties and negotiations with them. We know what happened there. And why a lot of us think that the BRICS nations, although they don't have the United States' best interest in mind, is that they are anti-deep state, that they are anti-Western oligarchy. And I think that that is enough to bring up this rise in com- um, competitorship between the Western global order and the BRICS global order. And that's what we're seeing unfold right now. Now, here's the problem is the United Nations is combined with a lot of this, which means that there is a divergence within the United Nations pertaining to a lot of this, uh, pertaining to a lot of these countries. Now, all the events that are unfolding in the world, we have to look at them for what they potentially could be or potentially are. Now, there's various points that are leading to World War III. Uh, we have what's going on right now in the Middle East with Israel and Hamas and Pal- uh, and I'm sorry, the Gaza and Palestine. We have all the other nations around that, Yemen and Syria and so forth, that are getting bombarded with U.S. armaments and Israeli armaments. We have Egypt and other countries in that area and Turkey standing up against Israel and the atrocities that they believe they are committing. We have the questions to ask about Israel and how was the... uh, the Iron Dome defeated. How were the, the Hamas able to just fly under the radar? Why did they only attack civilians? Why, why did they stop when they did? Because it made no sense if they had this large advantage. How did they defeat the IDF in the Mossad who are smart? Why is it that we heard initially on that day that all of that happened? That the president of Egypt had warned Benjamin Netanyahu, that this was actually going to happen 10 days prior to it actually happening. And and the Mossad stood that down as not credible intelligence. It's almost as if Israel allowed it to happen for various different reasons. And most likely, in my opinion, they did. Now, does that mean that they have the right and ability to go in there and completely annihilate 
infrastructure, the Supreme Court building in Gaza and, and kill innocent men, women, and children? No. Does that mean that they're doing that? No. None of us are on the ground. We don't know what the hell's happening. Does that mean that Hamas went into Israel and did that? Well, yeah, we know that they did that. I don't doubt that Hamas is evil and shit and went in there and they're a radical terrorist organization, right? But the question is, is we have to question the information. We, we cannot simply accept what we see and hear because somebody said it. You remember the motto to the Red Pill Project? Never believe anything. Anybody tells you, no matter who they are or what authority they possess or profess, unless you can prove it through your own research, investigation, through your own inquiry, but most importantly, through your own will, your own volition. And what does that research, inquiry, and investigation mean? It, it means digging into the foundation of where information comes from, understanding the base tenets of how information is built on, on top of a certain topic. You know, if you're researching, for instance, if you're researching the new world order, right? You don't just start in 2019 with the Bilderberg group meeting and go from there. You got to go all the way back to the history. Then the history will lead you to the, um, you know, to the, uh, the, the Rothschilds and it'll lead you to the black nobility in the 1800s and, and how they protected the Vatican. It'll lead you to the, the, uh, the socialist revolutions that occurred in the 1850s in the, in Europe. It'll lead you to 1776 in Bavaria, Germany, and the, the creation of the Illuminati with, um, Adam Weishaupt and the Rothschilds and the infiltration of the Masonic lodges. It'll lead you to the infiltration in the United States of America's foundation, the 13 colonies with the East India Company and how they were against the double-headed Hydra. They were against the ruling authorities, the monarchs of the time. It'll lead you back to people like John D and the Tudor dynasty. It'll lead you back to ancient Egypt and it'll lead you back into the occult and the esoteric philosophies and mysteries that are out there because that's how deeply ingrained it is. And it takes a long time to go out there and get this base of information just to understand 2019, this is what happened and this is what was going on. We can't just look at one piece of information and say, well, that's what this is and that's what this is because that's not the truth. The truth is it's much more complicated than that, is that you have to look into things much deeper on a much deeper level. You have to go through all different types of information source. You can't accept just one information source because they said, hey, this is the way it was. No, you compare that information. You look at various opinions. And here's the thing, don't take my fucking word for it. Go out there, research it yourself. And like I always say, prove me wrong. And you know what? I love being proved wrong. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong, okay? And, and so here's, here's the perspective, though. What is happening right now is the preparation for the next phase of everything that we just talked about. All of that shit has culminated to right now, to what is happening right now. We are coming into some very crucial and critical moments in the United States of America. Now, we, we saw yesterday Representative Donald read all of this evidence against Joe Biden. And I said, what's going to happen to Joe Biden? What's going to happen to Joe Biden? I, I posted it on Twitter. A, he's either going to die in office of health. Uh, B, he might be JFK'd, blamed on a conservative. That will help them win the election if it actually happens. C, he'll step down due to his health. 
the highly improbable, he will stay the entire term. But what did they put out yesterday is that Congress is going to wait until the first half of 2024 to impeach Joe Biden. Now, timing, I can understand that, right? Let's impeach him right before an election. Well, didn't they do that with Trump? That didn't work out too well for him. But here's the thing, is the old switcheroo is coming, and we already know it is. Why do you think China's Xi was just in California meeting with Governor Newsom? Why do we think that Michelle Obama is getting into politics? Okay? It's mine, as well as many other people's thoughts, beliefs, and research that shows that before the Democrat National Committee's uh, primary in June of next year, they will replace Joe Biden with a new candidate. And that'll either be Joe Biden stepping down, either be Joe Biden stepping down, dead, out of the way, one or the other. Doesn't matter. But here's the thing. How does that play into the impeachment process? Imagine this right now. Middle February, Congress comes out and begins the impeachment process on Joe Biden. They start presenting evidence. They start interviewing people. They get people up testifying, testifying, testifying. Let's go a month into this impeachment process. Joe Biden gets a cough, passes away in office, gets sick and steps down. It's announced that he has dementia. Um, gets JFK or something like that. They can't move on with the impeachment people. That's sacrilegious to the, that political theater. They cannot move forward with that impeachment at that point. If Joe Biden steps down to health reasons, dies in office, assassinated, any of those types of things, they cannot move forward with the impeachment. It's like, oh, man, it, like he's, he's got dementia. Just leave him alone. It's over now. He's not in office anymore. That's what will happen. And I hope to goodness Joe Biden is impeached. I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen because our Congress is the left and the right wing of the same bird. Our Senate is the left and the right wing of the same bird. They don't work for you. They work for private interest. This is why the new speaker, Mike Johnson, on the first day in office goes out there and, and declares aid for Israel wearing a U.S.-Israel pin on his lapel. The APAC is the largest lobby in Washington, D.C. It is the Israeli lobby, and they own Washington, D.C. They own Hollywood. They own the Federal Reserve. They own the banking system. We can get into the Belfort Declaration. We can get in what happened between 1946 and 1948 with the establishment of the state of Israel, which is not Israel. It's a state of Israel. It is Rothschild-owned entity, a Khazarian extension. Okay? What just happened yesterday? They just passed this new rule that um, this the, they just put, proposed this new bill that anti-Zionism is now anti-Semitism. They, they really love you. They're representing you out there. I don't see any bills being proposed that anti-white is now racist. But there's a lot of changes happening. And there's a lot of foundation being built for what potentially could happen in 2024. Now, Guterres, the head of the United Nations today, just issued what's known as Article 99. UN Chief Guterres invokes Article 99 of Charter over the Gaza crisis. Okay? Now, this is interesting. This is, this is that Hydra, multi-headed Hydra in the various different factions, right? So, 
the severe risk and collapse of humanitarian system in Gaza as the war rages on between Israel and the militant group Hamas. A letter to Jose Javier de la Gasca Lopez Dominguez, the UN, current UN Security Council president, Guterres said he expects public order to completely break down due to desperate conditions, rendering even limited humanitarian assistance impossible. The invocation of Article 99 allows the U.N. Secretary General to bring the attention of the Security Council to any matter which, in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. Why is he worried about international peace and security? Well, probably because the majority of the world's oil producers are in that region. Um, You have massive destabilization. You have two NATO members, Turkey and Egypt, who are completely against Israel in all of this, who are also U.S. allies, which the U.S. US is supporting Israel in this. Um, You have a larger war that is potentially about to break out because Iran is waiting to get into the fight, but they're waiting for somebody bigger than them and stronger than them to really join this fight, at least on the humanitarian side. The members of the UN, uh, UN Security Council are... Uh, permanent members, China, France, Russia, United Kingdom, and the United States, Albania, Brazil, Ecuador, Gabon, Ghana, Japan, Malta, Mozambique, Switzerland, and UAE, United Arab Emirates. Now, this is interesting because really what they're concerned about is they're concerned about an absolute war breaking out in the Middle East, which will draw the United States in between Iran and the United States. Now, if that happens, energy prices globally are going to skyrocket, but that also brings a component of Russia in there as well as China in there because of the dependency of various different trade agreements within those countries. And then Saudi Arabia also gets involved because Saudi Arabia, OPEC, now they have energy deals with Russia and China. And so China becomes directly influenced by this with rising energy prices because of another Western war in the Middle East created by Israel and supported by the United States. And so now you can see that it's not about the people. It's about the flow of resources, the control of resources, and the price variations and the cost to do business and how all that's going to affect everything. And that's why they're invoking this. Now, they would only invoke this if they truly did believe that there was the high potential for more war to break out. But what's interesting is that we're seeing this break out on larger levels within the city organization with anti Um, Israeli or pro-Palestinian protests that are occurring around our country and throughout the world. And it's my belief that a lot of these illegal immigrants coming over, military-aged men, 18 to 35, are going to be integrated into a lot of that to produce social destabilization and violence within a lot of our cities to begin kicking off all of the festivities that they had planned for 2024, if they go full retard in the sense of social destabilization to try to cancel the 2024 election. And what they would need is absolute anarchy and chaos in this country. And that's either going to happen through the instigation of a civil war or the instigation of extreme crime violence and upheavals and active shooters and and terrorist organizations and sleeper cells waking up in our liberal cities and begin taking over small towns, communities, and cities. And that can happen right now because they have the people in position and all they're doing is waiting for the word. And so the question is, is what are the next hands that they're going to play? Right now, they're preparing for these different things, just like the World Health Organization is out there preparing for the next pandemic that comes about with their ability to go in there and take control of a sovereign nation and lock down people, cancel school and mandate vaccines. 
Okay. The same thing happens with the United Nations Security Council in the sense of how to respond to global unrest and global chaos if or when this actually does break out. So I say globalism is here is because the people in control of how the chaos outflows, the people in control of the chaos happening, we just talked about that. It's already there. The people in control of building the foundation of what happens after the chaos, it's already built. It's already out there. They're already ready. They're already aligned. They're already in sequence. And they're just waiting. And so all it takes is these large mass cataclysms, whether it's through the guise of global warming and we have various solar activities that brings this all about, whether it is, you know, other types of human created chaos, war, famine, water wars, global economic collapse, World War III, political and social destabilization, massive upheavals of, of, of terrorist cells within U.S. cities or European cities that produces cultural destabilization, whatever it might be, they have everything in place for the next steps. And then after that catalyst occurs to a point Then things begin to die down. They enter in with the solution of how to resolve it. And that is globalism. That is 15-minute cities. That is rendering the power of the monetary system, the economic systems, over to private organizations. It is an oligarchical-controlled technocratic state is what they want. Public-private partnerships, or what, what do they call it, inclusive capitalism, is nothing more than communism to where you flip it Instead of governments that are controlling the world, you have private organizations that control governments and the governments dictate to the people. And that is the system that they want and they want to implement. And it is right here at our doorstep and it is waiting to happen. And I'm just like you. I'm trying to wake up as many people as possible. I'm trying to get that information out there. I never thought I would go on a one hour rant about this topic, but I think it was time. To kind of have this discussion. I didn't have Vince here tonight and he's, he's homesick and I hope he gets better. But I, I think it was important to kind of give this good flow of information to, to show this big picture context of what is really happening in this world right now. Now, I hope to God that there's great people in this world that are working behind the scenes to, to basically implement themselves and stop certain things from happening. We have seen that. We have seen certain things come about to where it's beneficial to us and that it looks like there's people working behind the scenes to take out the bad guys. But at the end of the day, when I see the progression of the World Economic Forum and and, and various NGOs at our border bringing thousands upon thousands of illegal immigrants over, um, how I see our military that was completely vaccinated, you know, during a certain period of time, how I, I see what happened during COVID. I don't lose hope, but I understand that this is a battle and that this is a battle between ideology. This is a battle between dogma. This is a battle between, um, you know, politics, various political ideologies, whatever it might be. This is an uphill battle for humanity to fight and that we need to wake up as many people as humanly possible so that we as humanity can rise up, take our country back, restore our rights, our liberties and freedoms to their natural order of things. And bring back the land of opportunity. Bring back a system that actually works for the people, by the people, and of the people. And not a system that is built completely for the bureaucracy. Because Washington, D.C., the swamp, 
The swamp didn't just come out of the darkness and all of a sudden just appear. It was built that way. It was built block by block. It was built by corrupt bureaucracy, corrupting other parts of the bureaucracy, corrupting other parts of elected officials to an eventuality where you have the swamp that is D.C., and it's not something that is operating in the darkness behind everything. It literally is the system that is in place. And that system, it does need to be drained. It needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be, I believe, completely fucking annihilated. And we need to go back to the United States Constitution as it was prescribed, as it was written, and, and as our founding fathers originally intended. And we are far way away from that. And what we will get out of all is somewhere in between. At least that's my thoughts. And I believe that Donald Trump is that man to do that. And you know what? I think either way with 2024, Donald Trump is going to be the president because I, I believe that a lot of red states, if we go to that civil war route or social unrest, martial law route, they cancel elections, that you're going to see red states rise up and begin seceding from the union and banding together, calling back their military and not recognizing federal authority. And I'll be the first one to get my ass over, excuse me, get my ass over to South Dakota <laughs> or Iowa as fast as humanly possible. But anyways, guys, um, I just blew through uh, an hour long rant. It was fun. It was great. I appreciate everybody out there who donated to us tonight uh, on the social red pill and on the um, battle of the streams tonight. We have uh, um, naturally inspired podcast. We'll be playing tonight instead of uh, it didn't play earlier today. Vince was sick. I wasn't home, so we weren't able to get that published. That'll be playing tonight before the live stream. The live stream will be playing right after. I'll try to download some new content on that. We got some really cool stuff playing on that. Hope you guys check that out. If you guys do check that out, please make sure you guys give those thumbs up. Please give this a show a like. Uh, James Grunvig, if you guys see him on his show, jump in there, say hi. Let him know you guys uh, support him. Give him that rumble thumbs up as well in there. And that goes for all of our hosts here, uh, Patriot Party Podcast, Vince with Morning Coffee, and Jim Price's uh, show when we do get it published. Uh, but much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys all take care. Don't forget to head on over to socialredpill.com. That's our private social network. You can help support us over there by getting a subscription, as well as redpills.tv. You can find tons of ways to support us over there, but subscribing to our mailing list is probably one of the best. Uh, guys, much love, respect. God bless you. Take care. Have a great night. I'm going to see you guys tomorrow night. And then tomorrow night after the show, we have our live Q&A. Tonight we have uh, a live Zoom after show Zoom, so people are welcome to join in on that. See you guys next time. Good night. Try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon.